Hello and welcome back to the Bottom Bins, another exciting instalment of Premier League action for you to sink your teeth into this weekend. Going to pass it over to this week's host, Oren. Yeah, boy, so an another week of the Premier League. Not everybody playing this week, um, but still a good few results that maybe weren't expected and some, some results that will maybe turn the tides in, in the table so far. So we're better to start than top of the table. Um, Connor. Arsenal and Leicester, a 1-0 win for Arsenal. Bit of a scrappy game. Um, Arsenal had their chances, a Martinelli goal. He got injured after the goal, thankfully played on. Um, and then a disallowed goal for Arsenal. But all in all, quite comfortable. Would you have expected that going into the game? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Arsenal um, have, have looked more like Arsenal um, again, really, since the, the City defeat. Um, the way that they sort of dispatched Villa last weekend was was impressive, and and they were, again they were very impressive against Leicester. Um, that's the last few weeks now. Leicester haven't haven't really looked uh, like the side to beat Tottenham. Mm -hmm. um, Leicester again, I thought, just made it a bit too comfortable um, for Arsenal. But listen, the strike from Trossard, it, it's a real shame that goals like that are are striked off mm -hmm. um, because it was an absolutely wonderful finish, and it would have been a really really great first. First goal um, for his Arsenal career mm -hmm. for him. Um, so unfortunate that that was chalked off. But no, Arsenal full value for the win and, and, and definitely deserved it and looked like the, the confident Arsenal that we've seen over the course of this season. So hopefully that, for, for Arsenal fans, that's them on, on the up and up again. Mm -hmm, definitely, Dorman. Um, Connor mentioned Leandro Trossard and, and he, he was very mm -hmm. influential in the, in the second goal as well, getting the assist. Um, obviously unlucky with his uh, VAR overturning his goal. But seeing him in a more central role in the absence of Eddie Nketiah, did you expect that from him? Did you did you expect that kind of versatility from that player when he did come from Brighton? Um, yeah, obviously he's a top player. Um, and then he was playing that false nine role. I thought he played very well. He, you know, he's very good at holding up the ball and getting others into the game. I thought he was a bit like, you know, they, they were playing with Gabriel Jesus. Mm -hmm. I thought he was very similar to Gabriel Jesus. He's very good on the ball. He can play the passes. His pass to uh, Martinelli for the goal was superb. I think he nuts the guy. It was, mm -hmm. it was a great goal. Um, but yeah, Arsenal. I thought Trossard's goal was very unlucky to be ruled out as well. It was he did. He, White did hold the goalkeeper's hand, but mm -hmm. like sometimes they're given those, sometimes they're not. Um, and some people believe that the goalkeepers are overprotected, which mm -hmm. is a, probably is true. Um, but Arsenal in general, that's a big win for Arsenal, and they played well and like. Leicester's XG was 0 0.02. That mm. doesn't offer anything. Dewsbury Hall kicked one wide. I thought Madison was a big miss because he was sick or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, and without him, I, Madison is such a huge player for Leicester. We were saying that we've given um, a lot of praise in the last while because since they've got good again, he has been the main man again because he's back from injury. But yeah, I thought I thought Arsenal very good defensively as well. But I thought Trossard, it was, he is a very good player. We've seen him at Brighton. He obviously fell out there, went to... Um, Arsenal, but maybe that could be a, a new rule for him because Inkeria hasn't been playing well recently. So Trossard maybe maybe not hasn't got the goal prowess as like Inkeria, but he's he's better at linking players, and I think that's what Arsenal need because mm. with Gabriel Jesus coming back soon, maybe if he can just fill that role for now and um, bring Saka. And I thought Martinelli was good in the game too; brought him more into the game. Um, that could improve Arsenal. Definitely, definitely, Owen. This is it was a good result for Arsenal at the time it came because they needed a result. There's been quite a shaky couple of weeks for Arsenal and now they're getting back into that momentum. Um, 
obviously keeping their eyes on City. City obviously got their win as well. We'll have to talk about that. But in terms of momentum, and Thomas Party was back for Arsenal. We've seen Eddie and Caddy come back into the side as well uh, late on with a substitution. What could this mean going forward for Arsenal with these types of players coming back? Especially, as even Dorman said, Gabriel Jesus will be back soon as well. Yeah, it's, it's massive for Arsenal. Look, we've talked about before in the podcast about City's great strength is... Um, Fucking Connor's getting stripped here, so what do you see? Any rustling? Too warm. <laughs> He's on his balls. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm struggling, struggling to talk here. I can't, I can't keep my eyes off. Oh my god! Oh, 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 oh. Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> like him, nipples day. <laughs> Compose yourself. Oh, and Compose fucking punch your dick away! <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't help it. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, show's over, show's over. <laughs> yeah, look, at getting those players back for Arsenal is massive. As you said, party coming in, Arsenal look a different team when they do have party and he helps every, everywhere. He's so good on linking the play, but he just made the defenders look better. I think Saliba looked a bit better this weekend mm-hmm. than he has recently. And look, obviously Leicester, we know at the moment they're really offering the home without Madison, their relegation father. Um, but it's massive for Arsenal to right the ship because they were starting to get things were getting a wee bit nervous like a bit shaky and um, Arsenal I don't get nervous <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal needed two results in a row they got a big win against Villa last week mm-hmm. showed, showed their cojones this they're a bit um, <clears throat> bit more controlled 1-0 kind of flattered mm-hmm. Leicester a wee bit look at obviously we had the uh, Trossard goal disallowed Saka goal disallowed Saka goal disallowed passed the penalty for Saka mm-hmm. as well so it was 1-0 going on 3-4, really. Yeah. It was a pretty comfortable performance for Arsenal, but it's a performance they needed to put in. Now, after looking a bit shaky, they have righted the ship a wee bit, got two big results in a row, and are back uh, firmly in control of the title, their own destiny now, thanks to City last week making a bit of a mess of it. Obviously, City's going to keep paying the pressure on us when we get to talk about that as they have done again this weekend. But it was a big win for Arsenal to maintain that gap for them and keep them in their control of their own destiny. Absolutely, it's what the big teams do. They, they grind out them results, them one 0 wins against the lower teams. That's what they need to do. You don't win the you don't win the league, um, beating the big teams. You win the league beating all the small teams, uh, or smaller teams. Sorry, I should say. Um, just a, a quick word on on Leicester one. I know you're not a, a massive fan of Brendan Rodgers, but um, just the overall consensus of Leicester at the minute. Obviously, we've seen the big result that they got against Tottenham Hotspur, and they look a shadow of themselves even from then. But obviously the with the likes of Tete on the wing, they are showing a bit more promise. Do they have enough to stay up? With Madison, yes. And Madison only seems to be playing one or two games every month now, but that seems to be enough for Leicester. Without Madison, they're in big trouble. Like If Madison was to get a significant injury, I would really worry for Leicester. But he does seem like obviously missed through this game for illness. But even but when he is playing, he's massive for them. So I do think just so do you, if they have James Madison for three or four more games, this campaign will be enough to keep them up. But without him, I'd be really worried if I was Leicester, and I'd be really worried for next season if I was Leicester, because the chances of James Madison staying for another season is getting slimmer and slimmer when he's not seeing progress at that club. Mm-hmm. He feels there's big clubs want them. Like, I don't know about you, you should kill for them at <laughs> United. Uh, City, any big club in England would be improved by James Madison, mm-hmm. so why would he not want to go and win trophies? So Leicester need to be really, really concerned about what happens next year, even if they do stay up with James Madison. 
Totally agree, lad. Totally agree. Um, so let's move on to second place then. Uh, we've got Manchester City. Um, a big result for them. A 4-1 win. Comfortable win against Bournemouth. They were 4-0 up until the very end. Quite a shaky last 10 minutes, but when you're 4-0 up, you can really afford to be like that, Richie. Um, we've seen Julian Alvarez uh, put in a good performance, but probably the most surprising thing that we've seen, which is it's it's crazy to say that it's surprising because he is such a talented player. Phil Foden back in the team and uh, a goal and a couple of assists. Um it can only be good for Manchester City, him him being back to good form. Yeah, definitely. The the they looked um they looked much more like the fluid man city, um, I thought, uh personally. I found it interesting when I was listening back to our, our podcast last week and you know it's it's crazy, you know, even pundits are talking about it, you know, the Holland debate. You know, and it is a debate. It's it's crazy that a guy that has come in and scored twenty seven uh, league goals is is it is debatable as to whether he should be in you know a team's best eleven or not. But you know, I thought City did look a lot more fluid against Bournemouth. Granted, it's it's Bournemouth. You're you're gonna look a lot more fluid. But um, no, Foden especially very very good performance. But I actually thought with Foden and Alvarez on the wings, City did just look a lot more dynamic. Mm-hmm. Probably as dynamic as we've seen them this season, to tell you the truth, which is a bit shocking considering, you know, like Mares has probably been City's best player this year, mm-hmm. you would say. Well, definitely in this last stretch since mm-hmm. since after the World Cup, Mares has been their best player. But, like, they did just look more dynamic with um, with Alvarez and with uh, Foden on the wings for them. Um, definitely looked like they could split Bournemouth open all day long. I thought Foden was excellent, to mm-hmm. be honest. He was very good at dragging players out of position, very mm-hmm. good at breaking lines and deservedly got his goal and his, his, his couple of assists were really worked really really hard and yeah looked like the Phil Foden for the Phil Foden that you would expect to see at Manchester City mm-hmm. we haven't seen that that Phil Foden probably since the United game mm-hmm. um, at, at the Etihad to yep. tell you the truth and it's I'd say for City fans that's a very welcome addition um, especially at this crucial point of the season to have a guy like that back to back to good form again so definitely a positive for, for Man City but all in all Comfortable. Yeah. Comfortable. Dorman building on that. Obviously, Connor's saying that it's, it's good for Phil Foden to be back. Mm-hmm. Um, but how important is it for City? Obviously, we're talking about this debate between Holland and Alvarez, and or Holland being in the, in the top uh, 11 for Manchester City. But it's not a bad thing when you have a World Cup winner, a World Cup yeah. winning striker and Julian Alvarez in behind you, is it? No, he's top player. Um, I thought he played superbly as well. He got a goal and assist. Mm-hmm. Um, was always a threat. And he was playing off the wing and he, he was superb. Obviously, Foden was very, very good too. The most chances created, and I've seen Pep came out and he said, "Like if we're going to succeed at City, we need Foden playing at his best." And I think if they're going to win the league or they're going to win, they're still in the FA Cup and Champions League. They need Phil Foden performing. Um, it's crazy to think like Mars has probably been their best player the last few months, and he can't even get in the team. Um, the boy Lewis was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, he was kind of helping out in midfield with Rodri, which meant that Gundogan could get further up the pitch, and then he was just helping to create stuff. Uh, well, City always beat Bournemouth. It's twelve and twelve against Bournemouth in the Premier League, which is crazy. Jesus. They beat them every time. Um, but yeah, with well, City, it's just about keeping on the coattails of Arsenal. Keep getting results because they play them again, and if they can keep tight, uh, you never know how Arsenal react. But yeah, very impressive. Bournemouth didn't really offer much, as you said, to the last ten minutes, and mm-hmm. then they were in the game. But sure, at that stage, City had the game one yeah, four nil up. Yeah. It was over. Um, but if I if I was a Bournemouth fan, I'd be very worried, to be fair, because I thought they were dreadful. But this isn't the games they're judged on. Exactly. City, obviously, superior team. But, uh, yeah, it was City. 
if Odin keeps playing like this and Alvarez comes into the team and Haaland scoring goals, they're not going to lose many games. No, 100%. 100%. Um, how important is it, Owen, for City to have these high, high calibre players to come off the bench, especially when they are in a title race? There's only two points in between them and Arsenal. Yes, Arsenal have a game in hand, but they still have to play Arsenal. And we've seen what happened the last time they played Arsenal. Mm-hmm. The title race is really, really open at the minute, especially between them two teams. We'll not talk about United at the minute, but between them two teams, it's between them two, realistically, at the minute. How important is it to have that world-class calibre of footballer to come off the bench if you're in need of it? Like, as we're saying about Riyad Mahrez, he can't get all, he can't really get a game at the minute because there is people performing better on him in training and stuff, not necessarily in matches. How important is it going into the rest of the season and in three competitions? Well, it's it's absolutely massive for City now. Like City could field a second string eleven that would beat most teams in the Premier League and be challenging for the title. And they're gonna need that. Obviously a lot of City's focus I feel this year is on the Champions League. I feel Pep's under massive pressure to win the Champions League this year. So but to be able to basically start a team basically start an eleven in the Premier League at the weekend and switch to a completely different eleven in the Champions League. And be fi- probably be favourites in both those games, no matter who they're playing, is massive. Like, we talk about the depth that he have. Like, obviously, Haaland is a freak of nature. But Julian Alvarez is one of the best young strikers on the planet. And, like, he... So come to, every time he comes in, he plays well. He doesn't necessarily always start for them. Like, it just shows how the level of talent they have. Like, you say, Ryan Mahrez isn't getting the game at the minute. Phil Foden was out of form for ages. Didn't really cost City that much. Whereas Mahrez came in and was fantastic. It's just it's just a bit weird. Like it's it's this seemed like a city game. that's like right, we're back to we're back to the city. We know who have the game wrapped up. Okay, you get up in the last ten minutes. Who cares? Just four goals down. They've done that before this season, where you think right, this is city back. Like when they beat, remember they beat Villa three one in the Etihad. They're finishing up at half time, mm-hmm. but then they went out and drew a f- force the next week. It just kind of it remains to be seen if this is city are able to stop cue this consistently for the rest of the season. If they can. Arsenal's in big trouble because I can see City going uh, not dropping the point between now and the rest of the league. I can't see Arsenal doing that, and I feel that's the main difference between the two teams, and not mainly down to the depth City have. Like we talk about how big it is for Arsenal to get Thomas Partey and stuff back. If Rodri gets injured for City, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. If Calvin Phillips, who hasn't really played much football, but what we've seen before in the Premier League, is a fantastic home midfielder, can slot in there and no bother. If Diaz goes down injured, they plenty of centre backs. You know, if Haaland goes. Big big loss. Julian Alvarez still going to score you fifteen goals a season if he's your main striker from the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Like so, that's the, it. Just shows the massive depth advantage City have, which would be why it'd be such a shock if Arsenal were to go on to win this league, because City should be massive favourites. Like people talk City, you ever see like Real Madrid have their B team stuff in mm-hmm. La Liga? If, say if City had their second team, their second eleven, mm-hmm. they'd de- definitely be finishing top four mm-hmm. every season. Like in, yeah. in terms of pure quality on the pitch. And that just shows the gulf and class and depth that this team have. Fully agree. Fully agree. Um, before we talk about Liverpool, we'll talk about Liverpool towards the end because it was a dire match. <laughs> Let's go from the top end of the table to the bottom end of the table. There was some huge results in terms of a relegation scrap this week. Um, so we've seen West Ham pick up a victory and we've seen Leeds pick up a victory that took both of them out of the relegation zone and put Bournemouth and Everton down into it. Let's start with West Ham and Nottingham Forest. A 4-0 win at home for West Ham. Danny Ings getting his first few goals for the club. Massive, massive result for West Ham. In a time where Forrest were playing really, really good football, 
did you expect such a big scoreline there, Richie? No, to be honest, I didn't. Um, I can't even remember last week uh, who I predicted to win this game. I think mm-hmm. I said West Ham, just because when West Ham's at home, I do always tend to fancy them over opposition. Because um, the London Stadium is always a, a tough stadium to go to and get, get any sort of result out of, to be fair. Big fan base too. Yeah, massive, massive. And Look, I, I didn't expect 4-0, tell you the truth. And, and even within the game, you know, it took... It, it was a quick period that mm-hmm. turned the game around. You know, mm-hmm. it's not as if West Ham sat and dominated the game and, and got their four goals spread out evenly. First it, goal scored 71st minute. Exactly. You know, it was, it, and they were all quick fire after mm-hmm. that there. You know, I think, was there what? Was it maybe. T- 71st, 73rd, 78th, and 85th. See what I mean? Like, that's only 14 minutes between all four goals. Yeah. So, so it's, a, it's a quick, quick turnaround. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty even up until the first goal, and I sort of I did think to myself, um, look, whoever gets the first goal in that game is probably gonna see it out. Mm-hmm. Especially when it did get to around sort of the sixty fifth, seventieth minute mark, mm-hmm. I did sort of think to myself, uh, it could be a one nil or this mm-hmm. one. Somebody will sneak something. But the next thing, I put my phone away and I checked my phone about ten minutes later, and West Ham were four nil up. I was mm-hmm. like, oh shit, <laughs> right, okay. Um, yeah, look, West Ham's goals very good. Well worked, good team goals, especially Ings' two goals, proper strikers finishes that you would expect Danny Ings to, to score. Mm-hmm. And that's why they signed him. You know, he, he's going to be that, that difference maker. Um, he, he has a great track record of scoring goals in the Premier League and a gr- great acquisition personally for me. I, th- I think he's a fantastic acquisition and that's the type of thing he's going to do there. He's going to turn one point into, mm-hmm. into three. Um, Antonio, come on, got a goal as well. Um, I thought Pacata um, played quite well in the game. Uh, definitely looked more like sort of that player. I'm still waiting for that explosion yeah. from him, to tell you the truth. I'm still waiting for that that kick up the ass. Mm-hmm. I think, that he needs. Declan Rice with a, an absolute worldie mm-hmm. um, of a goal. Absolute worldie. Again, he had a very good performance as well. And that's they're the type of things you're going to need to expect from Declan Rice now because he is supposed to be in the top you know, four or five um, DMs within mm-hmm. the league. So that's the type of performance West Ham's going to need to get out of him minimum every week, yeah. especially if they do want to stay up. Mm-hmm. But Forrest were on a great, great streak of form and impressive victory for West Ham, tell you the truth. Absolutely. At a crucial, crucial time as well, Dorman. Like, yeah. that, that result takes them um, to 23 points, West Ham. And like Nottingham Forest, for the good spell of form that they were in, are only two points two above points, them yeah. on 25 points. Relegation zone at the minute is 21 points. It's tight down there. I think there's between 12th and last, like nine, eight or crazy. nine points or something. It's the crazy. Difference, yeah. Like in the last few weeks, we've been saying Nottingham Forest don't think they're going to go down. You've said yeah. that in your predictions, wrong, yeah. the whole time in your predictions, you've said Forest are going yeah. down. They're not safe yet, are they? No, not? definitely not. Um, I've seen the manager come out after Cooper. He was kind of like, we've done well, 70 minutes, we kept it 0-0, we got the pressure on, the fans were kind of turning against them and then we conceded a few goals like out of nowhere because um, although West Ham were dominant maybe in the game possession-wise, they weren't creating that much. Um, but that's why you get Danny Ings in in January because he made the difference and he got the goals. And for West Ham, they can now probably kick on. West Ham have a very good squad. We've said that for months. Like It was crazy to think they were playing so badly. Um but like Moy said after the game, it felt like the West Ham of old once they got the goal. So maybe it's a confidence thing. If they can just string a few results together, they will definitely, I think they'll be safe. Um, for Forrest, um, obviously got a good result against City last week. Uh, but a tough result, 4-0. And the, they basically are relegation rivals because 
forced or only what is it four three or four points outside the relegation zone yeah. so a string of bad results and they'll be down there and I, I do think forced will go down mm-hmm. to be honest I think they will go down because I just don't think they had a good wee run of form but I just don't think they're accurate to be mm-hmm. honest um, then Bournemouth and Southampton but for West Ham big result Ben Rama played well got a few assists obviously Bowen's a good player for them and Rice they need Rice playing well if Rice can play like that every week they're going to win a lot of games Absolutely Owen just pushing on from that so look Nottingham Forest is a bad result for them how important towards the end of the season will this sort of result be for them because these are the types of games that are make or break when you're facing your relegation rivals let's say and they did just crumble how can they not how can they prevent themselves from crumbling once they go go down quite late on in the game um, it was kind of a weird one for Forest because look, we've talked about the great form they've been in but most of that great form in front of them is home form and if you want to stay in the Premier League you need to be getting points to your home matches which they are doing look at results like these could be crucial because we've talked a lot in this podcast about six pointers and every week there seems to be a relegation six pointer Forest are still outside the relegation zone they're still they're, they're uh, 25 points is it? yeah 4 points off relegation so they're 4 points off relegation there's going to be a lot of stings and tails left in this relegation battle excuse me but I do feel forced with their home form do have enough to stay up but it is concerning because when they did concede the goal obviously they conceded 3 more but they could have conceded more I think West Ham had 2 disallowed after that so they did just completely crumble when that goal went in maybe this is an anomaly or maybe it's the same as something else, but they haven't really been getting those big hammerings really. Like the only other one I can think, I remember City beat them six 0 but City could beat anybody in this league six 0 or whatever. So of recently, it's like even when they do lose games, they're only losing them one two 0 They haven't been getting a hammering like this, so maybe this will hurt the confidence and have some like luck in the mirror a wee bit, not trying to think figure out what went wrong. West Ham were the better team, did deservedly win it, won it four 0 probably flattered them a wee bit, but they were still by far the better team, but. I do. I wouldn't worry for Forrest yet. I do think Forrest, with their home form particularly, are showing enough that they do deserve to be in the league. Mm-hmm. And I do think there's three worse teams in this league than not even Forrest. Fair enough, lad. Fair enough. Uh, one of those teams that I would say is worse is uh, Leeds United. Um, but a huge, huge result for them against Southampton, who, well, by the way we talk every week, they are all but relegated. But there is only a few points. Um Leeds taking themselves out of the relegation zone by a point with them. Three points against Southampton. Huge, huge game for both teams. And Leeds came out with three points. Richie, Junior Firpo coming up with a goal. How important is that going to be for Leeds? Yeah, it's. Uh, don't get me wrong. It is, it's an important moment. But I, st- I still think both sides are shocking. Mm-hmm. Tell you the truth. And that game proves it. It was brutal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brutal to watch. There's no quality in either side, to be completely honest. There are a few performers you would look at and you would think okay yeah could still have a Premier League career like some Ward Price yeah like if Southampton go down somebody will pick him up you would say I, I look at Leeds there's not a whole pile I, I think we get we, we would get moves and uh, maybe Nanto um, just because he is so young and such a prospect and perhaps that fella Somerville maybe um, but you know like the guys that they've brought in haven't particularly impressed me Tyler Adams hasn't particularly impressed me Weston McKinney hasn't particularly impressed me. I still think Leeds are just so lacklustre. And if Leeds are lacklustre and still manage to win the game, then what does that say about Southampton as well? You know, they're just two terrible, terrible sides. Fair enough, I understand what you're saying to me, Oren. Yes, it is. It it could be a massive result in terms of relegation or whatever, but in my mind, both those teams are relegated. 
Fair enough, look. Fair enough. Um, Dorman, these are these are two teams that in January heavily invested in their, in their squad. We've seen mm. the likes of Ruder coming into Leeds for a forty-five million pound fee, uh, and he's not even getting a game. We've seen Camaldine soon in Milana. We've seen Nonacho come in for Southampton, um, among others. We've seen Lavia come back into the team. At the start of the year, we were talking about a partnership between Southampton, their centre-back partnership of Salasu and Bella Kotchap. And yeah. people were thinking, this could be a really, really solid centre-back partnership going mm-hmm. into the rest of the season. But it just hasn't worked out like that. No. Um, are Southampton as good as relegated? Yeah, I think so. Even their form last season, the last like, 12 games, like the one once against Arsenal, they're just dreadful. The last 18 months have just been shocking. That performance was horrendous. They didn't really create much. Uh with like they're, I think they're as good as down. The, the goal was, I thought the goalkeeper really should have saved the mm-hmm. goal as well. Um, fair play to the left back. How's that in Firpo or something? Yeah, yeah junior Firpo. Yeah, it was a good goal. Um, it was the manager's first game. It was at home. You could, you couldn't probably pick a better game mm-hmm. to start with. Southampton at home, mm-hmm. easy three points. Both managers first game. Yeah. Yeah, his, oh yeah, his first game properly in charge. Yeah. Yeah. He he came out after and he was like, oh. We didn't get the game plan right, which is just mm-hmm. not good enough, really, to be honest. If you're coming out <laughs> and saying that, that's just ridiculous. I mean, look, in all seriousness, though, Dorman, like, they couldn't even keep, like, they couldn't string yeah. three passes mm-hmm. together. Do you think that was him kind of being like, oh, I'll take the blame, but it was really the players? <laughs> While the opposite manager, you might get sacked, I'll blame the players, yeah. not take the blame kind of yeah. thing. There's only Probably. so much you can do at a same yeah. time if your man can't pass the ball five yards. Yeah, exactly, like. yeah. I do think, I do think Leeds forced will be that it's like who's going down. If mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, because Leeds have not been impressive at all. That was our first league win in 11 Premier League games. That is just crazy. Um, I do think, though, the midfield is okay. The need Adams and McKinney are probably. I know you're saying maybe they're not didn't play that great, but when I watched them against United, they were they decent. Were decent. They, they're probably the only two players. Obviously, your Italian boy, not or whatever. He's mm-hmm. young. He's decent, but like good goalkeeper the, too. Yeah, right, they need Bamford right. to start scoring. I always said their defence is just terrible. They're mm-hmm. still playing boys like Cooper and Ailing and players like that. I know Ailing played well against United mm-hmm. as well, but I, I don't think they're good enough at the back. There's a reason why every season since they've came up to the Premier League, Melia has the most success. Yeah, definitely. And then I've seen another thing. that That was their first win since August that they kept a clean sheet and won the game, wow. which is just crazy. If they're going to win games, they're going to concede kind of thing. It's just every game they concede, they're just... Shocking at the back, but um, yeah, it was some some are down and then Leeds. I'd say them are forced for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, Leicester's in that mix as well. Alone, mm-hmm. um, not much else really to say about them two teams. Look, they it, it's it's different. Like he's talking about Leeds against United, and I thought Leeds played well against United in yeah. both games. Even yeah. when we beat them two 0 I yeah. thought Leeds really did show a lot of promise when they played Man United, and yeah. I was thinking, you know what, they might have enough to, to stay mm-hmm. up. It's a derby, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like form and all that doesn't come into a derby. Like realistically, it's easy to t- like t- take United and Liverpool next week. Yes. Like I'd say, a lot of pundits and stuff would fully expect United to steamroll Liverpool, but like that's not going to be the case. No. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to a derby, all form goes out the window. You, the players get fired up for it. Management gets fired up for it. It's a completely different game. It's like a cup final. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, like, I understand that. But if why can't a manager get them pumped up for every game like that? Because that's what <sighs> the big teams do. I, I don't know, lad. To be honest, I think look. I just, I just and in, in, in all seriousness, I just don't think the quality's there in yeah, either no. side. Both sides are are brutal, like mm-hmm. genuinely, genuinely brutal. Like, and I, I don't want to sit here and be so negative about sides, but like, I, I don't think there's many positives with either of those mm-hmm. teams. They're they are they're not good. Like, they're, just, mm-hmm. they're two bad sides. Really. 
many players who, let's be honest, are championship quality. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can go both through both sides. James Ward-Prowse from Southampton, Nanto from Leeds, Somerville maybe. Maybe and again, yeah. Adams and McKinney, you'd probably take them, but you're really starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel in terms of when you look at their, like I've always felt the teams most important players their weakest link if you know what I mean like it's if you have 10 great players that's fantastic but if you have one really bad one the team's always going to challenge that player so mm-hmm. but these teams have five or six weak links and that's the problem with these two teams they're just they're two bad teams and I honestly think both of them's yeah. destined for the championship next year fair enough Fair enough, but either way, it was a big three points for Leeds at this point of the season. Um, moving on, we've got Everton versus Aston Villa. Everton moving back into the relegation zone for the first time since Sean Dyche took over as manager. Um, a 2-0 win for Villa in Merseyside. Um, Connor, talk me through it. I just think it's another one of those performances that Everton are going to be really, really annoyed at, that, that, that they've let this sort of that they've let opposition come to Goodison and, and, and take points away from them. Because realistically, Aston Villa have come to uh, Goodison and taken points away from Everton. Mm-hmm. Everton desperately need a striker. They desperately, yeah. desperately, desperately need a striker. I always thought you, yeah, that we fellow McNeil, um, Dwight McNeil, I always thought he was a good footballer, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest. When he was at Burnley, I was always impressed with him. Don't get me wrong, his output was, was never amazing. But I always thought if if... If there was ever a creator in that Burnley side, it was that McNeil. And under Dyche at Everton, it looks like he's going to be the same sort mm-hmm. of player. He, he's very creative. He bombed a, a number of good balls into the box. And if Everton just had somebody to get on the end of those balls, I think they would be 100%, to be honest. I don't think Everton's a bad side. I, I Just touching back on, on Leeds and Southampton, I think they're both worse sides than Everton, mm-hmm. to be completely honest. Um and I think both their managers are worse than Everton's um, as well. Um, yeah, look, they just need a striker. They need a striker. But I think Unai Emery needed to get three points there as well. Obviously, Villa have been turned over. I think that, is it their last three results. They've conceded four goals or something like that in, games, in each yeah. game. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they, they needed they needed a clean sheet. They needed a good performance. And to be fair, yes, they might have nicked their two goals, but they were two well-worked goals. Um, the penalty... In my opinion, I think it was a penalty, to be completely honest. I know a lot of debate on social media as to whether it was or it wasn't. I feel it was. Um, so, right result there. Um, Ollie Watkins has been scoring goals. Scoring his last five or something? Like yeah, that? Yeah. he has. He's, he's five and five now. Um, and Buendia. I think that's the Buendia that Villa were looking. Absolutely. That and only Emery's getting us. He yeah. is. Definitely, that that's 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 the player that I think Villa fans were excited to have in their side. And these last few weeks, well, I say these last few weeks, really from Emery has come into the job. He's looked a real, real solid creator, mm-hmm. good talent, does what good cams do. You know, pops up in those wee spaces, is able to link play. His one touch football is excellent, and he looks like an Argentinian again, to yeah. be honest. So, no, look, listen. I think Everton will be really annoyed because if they had a striker, I think they could have scored three or four, to be completely honest. Um, but Emery needed a result, and I'd say possibly on the balance of play, OK, fair enough, Villa were maybe just edged it. Mm-hmm. Dorman, mm-hmm. look, obviously Connor's talking about they need a striker. Everton, yeah. I'm looking at their team here from the other day. They had nine substitutes, six of which being defenders. They haven't enough 
the, the squad depth at Everton is shocking. Their three yeah. substitutes that they made was Damari Gray, Ellis Sims, and Ton Davies, and they were the only attacking options they had on the bench. And let's be real, that's not good enough. No. How do they? How how can Everton survive in the Premier League with such little depth? It's hard to know. We've been saying for weeks how Everton need a striker, and still haven't got one. Um, in the first half, I've seen the stat, 40% of the possession was in Aston Villa's final third. So Everton dominated the game, but they just can't create chances and they don't score goals, which is how you win games. Um, I thought I thought Everton actually played quite well, but as you said, they have nobody to finish. Like, Mopé started that game mm-hmm. and he missed a sitter. Like, he should have scored. The way he cleared off the line, it was... That's where a good striker would have finished that. Um, the penalty was crazy to give it away. Like... I thought it was a penalty as well. I just what was I think what, what do you call it? Gay or whatever? Uh, what was he doing? I was so stupid in the box. He put his foot in. You know, he just gave away a stupid penalty. Changed the game. Aston Villa then got the second. The game's over. Mm-hmm. But for Everton, like they just don't score goals. Uh, Sean Dice did say after the game that it was a good performance. But like you look at that, as you said, like your boy Gray was playing well last year, but this year he's been very poor. Mm-hmm. You know, Awobi has been okay, but he hasn't scored many goals. Mm-hmm. They don't have any strikers. Cavett Lewin can't stay fit. He, he just doesn't play enough games. Um, I do think Everton, obviously, they have a better manager and I do think they have a better team than the teams we talked about, as Richie said, but it's it's they're going to have to get goals from like their centre-backs or, you know, Coleman was one week against Arsenal. It was Tarkovsky. Like, they're getting goals from the back line, really, yeah. which is, is crazy, but for Everton, it, I just don't see the... See, how are they going to win games? You can't score goals. Set pieces. Mm-hmm. Set yeah, pieces, set pieces are, are, like, are going to be mm-hmm. so important for it's them. typical of Sean Dyche. Like maybe well. like a long-range goal, McNeil or something. Yeah. He is a good player. Like it, I would say the same one. Anytime, like, like you'd only see Burnley a few times, maybe United or whatever. He yeah. always was a very good player. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't come from the United Academy. No, to not he's, be a, a, player, he's a good player. Like, um, so if he could he get a few goals, they need, they need contribution. They're getting a lot from the back line, really. But they're, yeah. they're going to need a... Str- like, the way Mopé is just... He's brutal. He's brutal. But even, like, at Brighton, he wasn't scoring many goals. He was he just, was just a more all-round yeah. annoying striker, yeah. you know? So, I just don't know what to say about Everton. They need Cavalloon back, but sure, he can't stay fit, so... Oh, exactly, yeah. exactly. Owen, from a team with a lack of output to, well, a player with who's in great form, Ollie Watkins, his form at the minute, we've talked about having five and five. It shows how important he is to this Aston Villa team. Is there an England call-up in his future? But you'd like to think so. Look at Ollie Watkins has constantly shown he's been great for him. Even back in his Brentford days in the Championship, he's banging goals in for fun. He's always had good seasons with Villa. Like he's always been scoring double-figure goals. He's always a man you have to keep your eye on. He's hit form now. But England do have some good strikers. Obviously mm-hmm. Harry Kane, Ivan Tony, Southgate likes Callum Wilson in there, but. I don't see why you wouldn't give him on in that sort of form a call up and a chance like because the other competitions like Calvert Lewin can't stay fit even when he is fit. I don't really rate Calvert Lewin massively to be honest with you. Uh, Villa two big two big goals three big points to them. Was that two points? Used to, I'm talking about Armand in the league confuse him here. <laughs> three massive points for Villa to right the ship a wee bit because the start great under Emery kind of went a wee bit wobbly there the last couple of weeks but another three points in the bag good three points to them. Look, I mean, the way good Villa's team is surrounding Watkins. Like, when you have players like Buendina and Coutinho who can supply a striker like Ollie Watkins, he's loving that because he's a player he wants to get in behind. He wants to run at players. He's, he's a strong, he's a big, strong lad as well. So when you have those balls going in, going into him, of course he's going to finish them. 
he's a natural born finisher. You seen of the goal he scored against, last week against Arsenal, mm-hmm. where he took on Saliba and he had no right to finish the ball from the angle he did, but he put it right in the bottom corner. He's a great footballer. He's got everything you want in a new striker. He's quick, strong. He's willing to press. So I don't see why he, England, he shouldn't get an England call up. To be honest with you, um, Everton, we know they need goals. It's so clear they need goals. I've already given my opinions on Neil Mappe umpteen times. I'm not going to get into them. Or he's shite. We know he's shite. Um, as I've said, Calvert Lewin, when he's fit, he's, he's he's an okay striker. I think he get. I think he's. I think Calvert Lewin gets talked up a wee bit more than he should because he had a good start to the season one year. And then everybody's talking about how great a striker Calvert Lewin is. Even when he is playing, I still feel he misses some good chances. I think look, if Everton stay up, they are going to need to get them the market for a brand new striker and a good striker, and they're going to have to pay decent money for a new striker because even even the the ball, but even the creative players aren't really there. We're talking about Neil, great wee footballer, but other than that, he's very isolated on his own. Mm. They don't have a great like attacking midfielder, mm. like an, like obviously not going to get a player. That quality, but like in the same vein as like an Odegaard or De Bruyne yeah. or something. Well, they did have one. They did. They had James Rodriguez to be mm-hmm. fair, and, and they shipped him off quicker than you could say James Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Richarlison's a big miss too for them because he was yeah. well, he was scoring so many goals for them. Yeah. yeah, and he was everything for Everton at the time. Yeah. and he's went to Spurs. hasn't worked out for him there. hasn't worked out for Everton either because where they spent that money on nothing. Like mm-hmm. yeah. they brought in players like Allen who played like five games. He's or whatever. He's gone. Like it's just it's just a poorly run club at the minute, really. Mm. Look at Sean Dyche just come come in and he's a quality manager, and we know Sean Dyche is the type of manager who can keep a team like this in mm-hmm. the Premier League. He's shown it before. Could this be a bridge too far from? Maybe, maybe not. He has got some good wins under his belt. I do feel like Sean Dyche is the type of manager who will pick up wins. Oh, he will one hundred percent. But as, yeah. as Dorman was alluding to there as well, like the goals they've got in their big games have been Tarkovsky and his absolute screamer from Seamus Coleman. Yeah, they're not getting any attack at output even from their midfield. So as you said, it's going to have to be set pieces. And if you're a set piece team, it's very easy for teams to figure you out. It's very easy for teams to go, right, um, we just work on the set pieces for a whole week, yeah, whole, whole week and then you're in big trouble then. So it's not looking great for Everton. It's not as doom and gloom as I would say for this for Southampton, who mm-hmm. basically look like dead men walking. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're in big trouble in Everton. Like they're on death row. It's just a matter if they get out of it or not. I, th- I would. The biggest thing I think for Everton is, and it, it might have shot them in the foot. I still think they're strong enough to stay up, to be honest. But the only thing I think might have shot them in the foot is they were too late to sack Lampard. Yeah. I think they needed to yeah. get that done at the start of January to give Deitch a bit of time to come in and buy players if he felt like but he needed to. how much yeah. of a rush he was in deadline day. Yeah. We like, said that as well. Like he lost a lot. They lost a lot of games to teams around them. Yeah, like Southampton and stuff like that. So I'd agree with that. I think if he could have got himself a striker, some sort of striker, you know, one that he likes, you know, like an Ashley Barnes or somebody mm-hmm. like out there. Yeah. Do you know that sort of profile of player? Even Chris Wood when he was available. Exactly, somebody like out there. I think that would have helped Everton massively. But I think the fact that the second part too late, it didn't really give Deitch a lot of time to have something sorted. Mm-hmm. Um, it does seem Everton in the last few years have really got things wrong at the top. Like, this is a team who had Carlo Ancelotti at the helm mm-hmm. only a yeah. couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And whenever Carlo was at the helm, the first, what was it, 10 games or something, Everton were top of the league? They were top of the league yeah. on Boxing Day. Like, it's crazy. Boxing Day 2021. It's absolutely crazy. And then they had Thomas Rodriguez, they had him firing, whatever, it was brilliant. Um, And then... <laughs> He goes to Real Madrid. Obviously, you're going to go to Real Madrid mm-hmm. when you've got that opportunity to mm-hmm. go back to 
arguably one of the biggest clubs in the world. And they replaced him with Rafa Benitez. Yeah. Rafa Benitez should have been nowhere near Everton Football Club, considering his history with Liverpool. The fans mm-hmm. didn't want him, so it was never, ever going to work out. Nope. Um, didn't work out, as everybody knew, apart from the hierarchy at Everton Football Club. And then they, they replaced Rafa with uh, Frank Lampard, who, again, doesn't have the best resume. And as you say, Connor, sacked him too late. Brought in a, a good manager in Sean mm-hmm. Dyche, but... He's not the caliber manager that they had in Carlo Ancelotti. The, the downgrades in terms of managers has been mad. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I know there isn't loads of managers available, but it, it's poor decision-making from Everton if we're being realistic. But you're right as well. They've spent a lot of money over the last five to ten years and they've just cut it wrong so many times. It's crazy. It, it must be the hair up. But that's what the fans are up. They're against the... The higher ups, and that's why mm-hmm. they were threatened and all. And they couldn't mm-hmm. even go to the games mm-hmm. because they're a horribly run club. Mm-hmm. It, but it was always going to be hard for Everton to replace Carlo Ancelotti. Oh yeah, yeah. no, I, I, know. I understand that one hundred percent. It's it. I, I their best appointment would have been somebody like a Deserby or something like yeah. that. You know, like yeah. a young upcoming coach. Yeah. Look, I understood why they went with Lampard. I did think Lampard got a bad rap at Chelsea. To be honest, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people look at his time at Chelsea as probably unsuccessful, but. Like I, I actually do look at Lampard's time at Chelsea quite fondly, to be honest. I think he raised a lot of good young talent. Um, he, he was dealt a hard hand not having resources in the transfer window because yeah. of financial fair play. I always thought um, the, the Chelsea team that won the Champions League was mainly the basis of a Frank Lampard team and Tuchel come in and then expanded on it. But I could understand why they went with Lampard. The thing I don't understand is, though, they went with Lampard but then <laughs> didn't back him. Yeah, mm-hmm. how, like how many times have we seen this and we've seen it as Man United fans why hire a manager if you're not going to give them what they need mm-hmm. it's it's silly it's really really you're silly shooting yourself in the you foot. are yeah. you're completely shooting yourself in the foot what do you expect a man like would you expect a plumber to come in with half of his tools and mm-hmm. and plumb your entire house no you wouldn't mm-hmm. like you're hanging him out to dry really, Ex- like. exactly Exactly, I like that too. Nice wee plumbing reference there. Mm. Let's go. Definitely done that on purpose. So. <laughs> um, okay, folks. So moving on from Everton, um, we had the game on Friday, which was Fulham versus Wolves. Uh, a good game between two good teams and, and, in good form. Um, a cracking goal from Manor Solomon um, for Fulham. Um, an absolutely beautiful finish into the bottom corner. Um, but Richie's pick from a couple of weeks ago coming through coming playing playing good football Pablo Sarabia how important could he be until the end of the season um, obviously he's a calibre of football massive massive we, we said this when he signed we, we said this on our very last transfer episode you know the quality that he adds to a side like Wolves this this is it's really weird I feel like we were watching a game where you know Wolves were the team in 15th or 16th whatever they were in Fulham's the team in 6th it sh- I feel like it should uh, probably be the around. other way around. Yeah. You know, Wolves should probably be the team in fifth, and mm-hmm. Fulham should probably be the team in in fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, whatever. But it's it's a real testament, I think, to Fulham that to just how far they've come. I think it's a testament to Lapatagi as well, and how far he's taken mm-hmm. Wolves in this short short spe- um, space of time um, to be able to, to to get the likes of Sarabia. Massive signing, and he looked quality every time he was on the ball. He's just calm. He's collected. He he can pick out a man. He dri- dri- just drifts and picks up spaces. I, I keep saying this, but I'm always intrigued with attacking midfielders. Um, because I was a striker, I always like to know where, what my attacking midfielder was doing, and if they operated a certain space, well, then I needed to make my runs 
a certain way depending on where they were standing. So I always love to, to look at attacking midfielders and see where they're standing and who they're moving in between. And that Sarabi is just lovely to watch. Mm-hmm. I, say, I said it on that transfer episode. I can remember when Sevilla played United, he, he was standout. He was very impressive to watch. He really, really impressed me. And he's done nothing but impress me in his time. Um, at Wolves so far mm-hmm. except for when I picked him um, and <laughs> he, he missed an open net that yeah. fucking annoyed me um, but he was excellent took his goal really really well but I think the, the, the player that we, we need to talk about here is Manar Solomon mm-hmm. three and three he's pulling Fulham out of serious holes at the minute all off the bench as well all off yeah. the bench this is a guy who's who was supposed to be Fulham's first signing it fell through yeah. completely looked like it wasn't going to happen and then they managed to get him towards the end of the mm-hmm. window again this is a guy who was keen on coming to the Premier League, but didn't look like Fulham were going to get that mm-hmm. deal over the line. And, and I'd say they're very happy that that deal got over the line because he has been massive. Spent a lot of time out injured. Um, only played their first couple of games and then was out for an extensive period of time. But since he's come back into the side, he looks a real threat. Absolutely. And it is only a matter of time, I think, before Marco Silva has to go I can't keep this guy on the bench any longer. Versatile yeah. player. Yeah. He can play on the right. He was originally signed to play in, a, in that attacking midfield mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Sarabi is playing in for Wolves. But you can't take Andreas Pereira out of the team for Fulham because no. he's playing he's absolutely well. phenomenal you can't. this season. And the options that they have across, like even Deckard over Reid. Deckard mm-hmm. over Reid was unreal the other night. Yeah, he's, mm-hmm. doing, he's playing well. He's playing very, very well. That Fulham just have a lovely balance. Mm-hmm. And look, if you had spoken to any Fulham fan before the start of the season, heck, I'd say we probably all had them down for relegation mm-hmm. in all seriousness, yeah. but they're a really impressive outfit. Mm-hmm. They're just going about their business, and really, I, I, I do think that fella Solomon is really going to surprise a lot of people. And the fact that he's getting a tune out of William, the fact that he's getting a tune mm-hmm. out of Andreas Pereira, like, William was dead and buried when he was at Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. Pereira, yeah. I didn't think there was ever a footballer in there, to be completely honest, but he's managed to get a tune out of him. They do miss Mitrovic, though. Yeah. When yeah. Mitrovic plays, he gives them another dimension. They are missing that dimension at the minute, but the fact that they're still pulling up results without Mitrovic tells you how good of a coach that mm-hmm. Silva is. So fair play to them. It was a great game for the neutral to watch. I thought Wolves maybe could have went on yeah. to win it. They, they looked like they had that, but... It's unfortunate that Raul Jimenez suffered the injury, the injury that he did, but um, he, he missed a massive chance as well. But listen, great game of football. I would say, on the basis of play, a draw, probably the deserved um, result. Absolutely. Um, Dorman, look, there's 15 points between these two teams. Fulham yeah. are sitting on 39. Mm-hmm. And Wolves, even though every week we're talking about Julian Lopetegui doing this brilliant job, he's revitalised Wolves. And look, to an extent he has done that. Wolves are still only a point behind Nottingham Forest, who are on 25 points, and they're only three points out of the relegation places. Yeah. Wolves are not doing well at the minute. How big a result could this be yeah, against a be, team like yeah. Fulham, who are usually an easy turnover for Wolves? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good result. Um, I think with Wolves, I think it was more to do with what had happened before. Like I see in their last nine games of 14 points, and in the previous nine before that, at four. So mm-hmm. he was coming into a bad situation. People forget, I think Wolves were bottom of the league. Um, but this this could be a good result. Uh, the first half they were the dominant team. They played some good football, um, and then this, they conceded the goal, and it was a great goal by uh, Solomon, mm-hmm. who I see he has a goal every forty two minutes. I know he's coming off the bench a lot, but that is some contribution right for Fulham. Um, but once Fulham got the goal, then they started to get the better chances. I think Mitrovic is a big miss. I see he's back. 
Uh, I think they play either tonight or tomorrow in the FA Cup. He'll be back. They play Leeds tonight. Yeah, so that could be a huge one if he's back. Um, But for Fulham, this this was a good result. Fulham aren't playing well. Like last week, they were really poor against Brighton and they still grinded out a result. They only played a good 30, 35 minutes and they still got another result. I thought they made the changes at halftime. The manager said after the game, Silva, he made the changes at halftime. He brought on Lukic and Solomon and it changed the game. They improved from there. Um, Wilson off the bench was good as well. But Sosa Lukic has been brilliant since he's Yeah, he, he came off the bench. He, them boys will be starting soon, mm-hmm. which is a good thing for Fulham because I think we were saying like Fulham needed to make signings if they were going to keep in that European place because their squad wasn't strong enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for they have 39 points after 25 games, which is, as Richie was saying, is crazy. Like, I would have probably said they could have got relegated yeah. because Silva, I didn't really rate him because at Everton he wasn't great and Watford Definitely. he was okay. But... For Wolves as well, I know they're only four points above the relegation zone, but you can see there's a decent team in there. And again, that goals is their problem because when they're dominant, they just don't get the second goal. Mm-hmm. Like Jimenez has missed the header; he's headed wide. Obviously, got the injury; he hasn't been the same player. But uh, I do, I think Wolves will be fine because mm-hmm. they're a good team and they've a really good manager. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Owen, we've seen an injury to Marius Cunha. Um, their big money signing in January, fifty um, something million or something. From Atletico Madrid, what was it, fifty-five million or yeah, something? Fifty-five. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that's an obligation to buy or if it was a loan or if it was a straight sale. Um, but I know there's a, a fifty-five million. It's either an obligation or the bottom for fifty-five million. So big, yeah. big money invested on a striker who wasn't getting a lot of goals at Atletico Madrid. He wasn't even getting a lot of football under Diego Simeone, and now he's injured. And as as the boys have said. Look, Jimenez, he isn't the same player. No, Jimenez was an absolute quality striker, and I think he would have battered near enough every side in the Premier League. And and his greatest spell when he was at Wolves, that connection between him and Traore was phenomenal. Um, it, it it doesn't look great going forward in terms of striking ability for Wolves. Yeah. How how can Lapetegui, who is quite a defensive manager, how can he get a tune out of his defense to bring that into attack? Uh, look at the way Lapitali plays is he needs those fullbacks, he needs the likes of Bueno and stuff to start stepping up and getting some really nice balls in the box and being that creative outlet. Um obviously you have a player like Sarabia who can play anywhere across that front three, he can play in midfield, that's a fantastic asset to have to try and build attacks from build attacks from deep. Look at the great midfielders we know Ruben Neves is like he can pick up he can pick a man out from anywhere, so they've really great options other than their striker to try and create chances. Look at as you said, it's just it's a real it's really sad about the way Raul Jimenez's career has went because as you said in his day he was one of the premier strikers. About like every every team would have loved to have Raul Jimenez, and it's just really it's just a pity the way his kind of his career's kind of fizzled out after that injury. Um, look at losing Cunha, it's big in terms of the headlines, but he hasn't really been performing for Wolves either. I don't think he has he scored for them yet. No, no. I don't think he has. They've, they've got that young boy in in. Uh, in the summer, it's Gomez, is it? Mm-hmm. Obviously, he was injured for an extensive period of time. He came back there a couple of weeks ago, scored a goal. So maybe he needs to step up and become the main man. Well, he's a midfielder. He's a midfielder. But um, look, at, I mean, they've, great, they've really strong players. Like They've good wingers. The likes of, obviously, Adama. He's always got half an hour in him. You're looking over the bench. You've been playing for 60 minutes and you're wrecked. You look over, you see probably Tank who go with 99 man an hour running at you. Like mm-hmm. It can be a bit disheartening. They do need the they do need players in the midfield to start singing for them to create those chances and I do feel the need the fullbacks to be a bit more creative. Uh Lapitalia, as we know, was doing a great job. 
but as you've mentioned, Oren, there still are only three points above the relegation zone. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work to be done for Wolves yet, but they are picking up points. Like they would have liked when they went one nil up against Fulham, they would have liked the seen that game out. But sometimes when Solomon does that, sometimes you just have to stand back and applaud. Like it was a fantastic finish. Um, like right in the top corner for for from what like so there's not really much you can do. It wasn't like a massive lapse in judgment that cost Wolves that goal. So Wolves will be heartened with that performance. I'll be a bit disappointed at the result to not see it out from being one and up, but they will be heartened. It'll give them a bit a uh, bit more going forward. And look at I know Laptag has come in and we talked about Vax Lyrical about him, but he has had some per results. He has played a lot of good teams as well, the likes like obviously we talked the played City and stuff. So, and we've said up team times, those aren't the type of games to define your season. A point against a team that's fifth, I know, I know Fulham's a bit of a bit of an enigma at the minute that you kind of look at it as like, this team's fifth, fair, and fair play to Fulham, they've been fantastic, and they've been quietly picking up points. The way we've talked about Brighton and stuff and how great a season they are, dropping stupid points. Every week you kind of see Fulham drawing a game. You don't see Fulham get beat too often. Mm. So, it's a great result for Fulham. Um. Wolves will be disappointed with the result, but proud of the performance. And I do think Wolves can kind of kick on from here. I still maintain Wolves will probably end up finishing 13th, 12th, kind of a, a midland season. But with Labatelli in there, a good manager, with a summer transfer window behind them to really sort out the squad, I think Wolves could be a decent outfit next year. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, probably the biggest game uh, of this game week was in, in London. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur took on Chelsea. A big 2-0 win for, for Spurs, who, look, they haven't even got their manager on the touchline, and, and they are getting a tune out of their players at the minute, which is brilliant to see. Um, Ollie Skip with his first ever goal for the club, and an absolute worldly of a goal. Yeah. But the main talking point, Connor was the red card, Hakim Ziyech. Um, shown a red card, um, and then it was rescinded. What was your opinions on that? I said it a couple of weeks ago, the minute you put your hands on somebody's face, you should be sent off. Simple as I don't care whether it's just a slap, a tap. I don't care. The minute you put your hands on somebody's face, you should be, you should see red. You should walk. The fact that they went to the monitor and still seen that he pushed Emerson in the face mm-hmm. and then rescinded it, it just infuriates me. To be honest, like I'm just sick of decisions like, like this. Like surely that's not clear and obvious. No, like, as you said, it doesn't matter how light you do it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel that can be frustrated. Players going down soft, whatever. Yeah. You can't lift your hands to the player's no, face. No, exactly. And I don't understand how that can get turned it, over. No. It got turned over. I think it says he pushed his shoulder first and then he touched his face. Mm. So that's why they switched it around, but he still touched the face. It's so it's kind of like... It's like, isn't it? Yeah. It, it annoys me even more, like... The Casemiro <laughs> thing. The Casemiro yeah. thing, yeah, you know. Course. It annoys me, you know. And, and yeah. again, he's shown a couple of angles of the Ziyech one, but where was the couple of angles when it was Casemiro? And Casemiro didn't even have his hands around your throat. Yeah. It was on his, on his jersey. Um, he wasn't touching his face and he sees a red card for that and now you know it's okay to go up and push somebody in the face and not receive a red card for it it's just these inconsistencies that are really really beginning to annoy me and mm-hmm. piss me off to be completely honest I just wish that we could have consistency and I know I said a couple of weeks ago with a human in the chair and VAR you're not going to get that consistency mm-hmm. but it is just really beginning to annoy me to be honest taking nothing away from Spurs they were excellent organised um, did what they had to do um, just matched Potter's tactics and then bettered it mm-hmm. um, the goal from Skip wonderful wonderful this is a player that Oshin has ranted and raved about to me for a long long time I think um, two seasons ago he was Norwich's standout player won um, the player of the season won the player of the season in the championship um, was absolutely stunning for them um, and, and hasn't really looked like that kind of player mm-hmm. at Spurs I think a lot of managers have actually been disappointed with him at times um, but 
he, he played an absolute blinder. He looked like the best midfielder on the pitch the other day. And, you know, you have a guy that cost 120 million yeah. euros across the other way from you and, and you're looking like the better player. So for, fair play to Oliver Skip, he was mm -hmm. excellent. And then, you know, when, when, when you have a striker like Harry Kane, you're always going to get a, another chance. And, of course. And he, and he just does what he's done all season. Mm -hmm. 18 goals in the Premier League now for Kane. It is just a shame that the league has Haaland because if we didn't have Haaland, like Kane's far and away the best striker mm -hmm. in, in the Premier League. And whether that's a goal scoring, creation, dropping in the midfield, whatever you need him to do, he will do for you. Mm -hmm. um, I'm shocked that I didn't wake up yesterday and and, and uh, to some sort of news that Potter got the chop, to be honest. Yeah. This is a, a joke at this stage. Chelsea Football Club are a joke. They're a joke. And not that I care. You know what I mean? I don't like them, but... Mm -hmm. They're a joke. Their manager's a joke. Tactically, they're a joke. They don't play good football. Um, they are f chocked full of boys that they have spent massive money on who are average. If uh, if we're being completely honest, Kai Havertz. Why is that guy still getting a game? Like, mm -hmm. Genuinely, why is that fella still getting a game? He is brutal. Mm -hmm. He starts every week. Starts week in, week out. And he is crap. Like, mm -hmm. Absolutely crap. Potter has no hope at Chelsea, to be honest. And... If he's not gone next week, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I really don't know. Well, Dorman, look, obviously Richie's talked about the, the Chelsea struggles. It's a huge result for Spurs. You predicted yep. them to, to get into the top four this season. Um, so it's a massive step for them. But mm -hmm. look, we need to look at Chelsea's woes. Um, and it's only got worse after this result. Not just because of the loss, but probably their best player in the last three seasons yeah. since he signed Thiago Silva is now injured for the next six to seven weeks according to Fabrizio Romano how major could that be for the towards the end of the season for Chelsea who don't look like they're getting European football no. anyway but that's what I was going to say what have they got to fight yeah. for that's what I was going to say it's it's massive for the team obviously because he's probably been their best player but they're not going anywhere anyway they'll yeah. be lucky to get top 10 yeah. they're shocking like they're the they're so They've no creation, as we've been saying, especially as you've been saying, they have nobody in there, like a good cam who can create anything. You know, I thought that's kind of what Havertz was, but he's they're playing him striker and he just doesn't do anything. Um, they've won one in their last 11. They haven't won, haven't won a away game since October, which obviously because the World Cup and stuff, but that's still a long time for Chelsea. Um, Potter's won nine in 26. He actually got off to a good start and then it's just, he just can't win a game. Um, but for Spurs, yeah, it's a great, it's a great result. Chelsea are just terrible at the minute. Um, so many players are just playing so poorly. Like as we were saying, there, like Skip was the best player in midfield. He yeah, was by a mile. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even close. Like he came in there and he's under pressure because he has to deliver because they're missing so many players through injury. Basuma's injured and uh, Bendenker's yeah, injured. Yeah. So he has to deliver and he was he was very good. The goal was a great goal. Um, I thought Kappa. He moved a bit early. Could have maybe got his hand on it better, but it's still a great finish to even to even have the confidence to take that shot on. I thought he was very good against West Ham as well mm -hmm. because I, maybe he's not maybe the most. He's not the exciting. sexiest of names, or yeah, you know what I mean. So maybe it's just like oh, it's Oliver Skip or yeah. whatever. But he is a good player. Yeah. Um, for Tottenham, huge huge win. I thought the first half was dreadful to be honest. It wasn't very much happened. But Tottenham, see the first half even against West Ham, they were very poor. But Seems to be when they get into the second half, there's, there's this new energy. I don't know where it comes mm -hmm. out of because that goal happened within about 40, 50 seconds. Oh, before, yeah, and whatever. then they kicked on. And I heard um, a pundit or whatever say, Chelsea, the last 20 minutes, did not look like they would have scored. Not, not a chance. Like, usually if you watch a Premier League game, 
even if it's 1-0 with 10 minutes to go, even if the team's poor, like you looked at Forest there mm-hmm. last week, they got destroyed. Mm-hmm. It was 1-0 10 minutes to go, they hadn't got a kick the whole game. They created a chance to score the goal. Mm-hmm. With Chelsea, there was just no no chance they were going to score a goal. And then when Harry Kane, who has been sensational this year, just Spurs have been so poor. Mm-hmm. But like for how bad the Spurs have been, I did think they could get top four and I still stick by that because you know they have some good players. And your boy Emerson Royale has been... He's been very good since mm-hmm. they've signed this boy for Poro and boys like Romero and mm-hmm. centre-back. Very good player. When mm-hmm. he's playing, they're a totally different team because he missed that last year game mm-hmm. and they crumbled. But with him in there, you know, this boy's four from four without Conte, but Conte's still got a huge influence on the team. Yes. But the players are stepping up, which does show qualities that... I It shows good quality. Like, they're, they're stepping up for their manager, who is sick at the minute. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think Spurs are going to get top four and I don't think Chelsea... If they keep playing like this, they're not going to get top 10. And Potter is going to get sacked. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of if it's going to be next week or mm-hmm. the end of the season. No, 100%. I, I fully agree with you, Dorman. Uh, oh, and just a quick point before I will move on to the last game of the game week. Um, so Chelsea are now winless in their last five league games and winless in their last eight on the road. As Dorman said and as, as, as Richie have said, surely Potter doesn't see out next week. I don't see how he can unless he has some serious dirt in Todd Bowley. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> News or something? I, it must be. I mean, I, I'm really, I'm really nice. Bloody Chelsea lost this week. I wanted them to draw so they keep the average record because there would have been eight wins, eight draws, eight mm-hmm. losses. Go out and go and ruin a good streak for them. So <laughs> fuck you, Chelsea. Um, look, we know how bad Chelsea are at the minute. They they're just can't score goals. They look so flat. They just look, just look like a team who doesn't really give a shit. They obviously don't want to play for their manager. It's it's clear he's lost the dressing room. Um, if he ever had it not to begin with, now they're without Thiago Silva. They lost Oscar Laquetta the week before. There's no leaders in that team at the minute now. Look, there's so many egos, and like it's such a different place from Graham Potter to go from Brighton, where there was no egos really. Where, um, it was us against the world mm-hmm. to all of a sudden this big name Chelsea side, mm-hmm. where everybody everybody in that squad is like. Who's this guy to be talking to me? I've won World Cups. Who the fuck are I? I've won Champions League. Who the fuck's this guy? Yeah. So he has to be gone. Like we talk, we've been talking about a month thin ice for about two months now. Yeah. He's on fucking water now. That's how fucking thin the ice is. Like he's, I don't understand how he's still in the job. Like I'm good enough to stay up though. <laughs> no, like, I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what the I don't know. They're in relegation form. Like they're in relegation. They form. really are. They're atrocious. They're an absolute joke. I don't think any team fears going to Stamford Bridge no, anymore. No, like Southampton, the shittest team we've seen in a while. They've done the bloody double over this outfit. Ah, like crazy. They're actually like. I just don't want them to be in the league anymore. I hate talking about them because they're so bad. They're so. They're so shite to watch. Like. Right. I, don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how this You don't even man, support them. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand how this man still has a job. Like it just makes no sense to me. It's another David Moyes. Like uh, it is, you know, when Moisey got the got, got the job. Yeah, at, at it's United. a man who just was not ready for a job yeah, like this. A hundred percent. Like it's a guy who, who who had a good resume and l- played some good football and like deserve the credit that he did I also think it doesn't help Graham Potter that Brighton are playing so yeah, well I was yeah about, I was about to say that like I, a lot of people I'm saying would have thought oh right well Brighton will be lucky to hang into mm. or hang on to a, a premiership spot this year in all seriousness whenever Potter went and the fact that Deserby's come in and if anything they look better mm. under Deserby than in saying that though if you're Graham Potter and you get offered Chelsea, you have to take it. Oh, 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 yeah, 100%. 100%. The form Brighton's in at the minute just kind of shows like how much of that was Potter. 
You know what I mean? But it is. It was his. It was his team, though. It was his team. He had. He brought in a lot of the players. You got to give him some credit. You know, you can't. And Brighton were doing well. You know, previous year. So yeah, it's just it's it's a it's a it just didn't suit. It it didn't suit. And I'd say, if you polled it with Chelsea fans, you know, before Potter come in. He would have lucky to have pulled it about twenty percent in yeah. all seriousness. It's tough, like you know, once he does get sacked, inevitably once he does get sacked, like it's gonna be tough for Grand Potter to get a top well, top yeah. job. Well, that's it. Yeah, he, he, like, and he, again, he might do him ways as well, where he's in the wilderness for a few years and then gets a resurgence, and then gets some sort of resurgence. Yeah. But it's, I would say, his stock has really, really been it, badly it, it damaged. Was, it, after it, was, it was too big a job, too early. A hundred percent, and that's the thing. Like Chelsea just ruin things, don't they? Like, yeah, like they really do. And like maybe this is just my personal bias against Chelsea, but they really do have a knack of just ruining players or ruining managers, and I don't like to see it. Yeah. And it's it's annoyed me that that they've allowed a coach as talented as Potter mm-hmm. to fail. Well, maybe we'll see yeah. him as England manager because Gareth Southgate's a shite manager. So yeah. if they bring in Graham Potter, I, I don't think in. that's a ludicrous shite to be no, honest. I, no, I, I think it'd be a good England good. manager to tell you the truth. Good. Um, but like. He is going to get sacked, and that's just the way it is. And it's unfortunate for him because he is a likable fella as well. A hundred percent, lad. He and just, he's honest. He, he is literally just managing a squad yeah. of prima donnas. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. exactly. And it only got worse in January when they signed all them boys for a hundred million. Exactly, massive, yeah. massive exactly. Wages. Um, he he has to tell like sixteen people every week. Sorry, you're not in the starting squad this yeah, week. Yeah. I know. You know. Some managers might only have to tell a few players, you know, look, mm-hmm. you're missing out this week, but you might get it this week. That yeah. man has to fucking, I'd say if he's picking the team on a Wednesday, it'll take him to Saturday to tell people, yeah. look, sorry, apologies, <laughs> you'll not be in the team this week. And he definitely has to pick people because obviously they've just bought them in January. So even mm-hmm. if they're playing badly, they have to play because mm-hmm. he spent a hundred million or whatever on them. It just shows, he's in a tough though, position. I don't think any of them signings were Potter signings. No, no. no, no. They didn't buy a striker, no. which they needed. I think it's just... Uh, I wonder if he just makes a new group chat every week and just adds all the players go sorry Lazzy I'm playing this week (laughs) oh well anyway last game Um, I want to run through this game very very quick because it was a shocking game Um, nothing happened both teams looked like they genuinely were playing for a draw Um, Palace and Liverpool nil nil draw Connor, just a quick assessment. Yeah, huge mid-table clash there. Yeah. So it was. Um, <laughs> like, what, what, what do you say? Like, like, what do you say anymore? To be honest, because no matter what we say in the studio here today, people call us bias and, and whatever. I, I, I don't care. Liverpool aren't good. Crystal Palace aren't good. It was a team of two not very good teams going up against one another, and rightly as you said, they weren't just playing out for a draw really. Um, Liverpool lacklustre this season. Klopp said during the week it's going to take a, a revolution in the summer to to change this side up, and and it is honestly there. You know, people talked about. Um, and I hate bringing it back to United, but people talked about United for years and said that United were carrying too much dead wood. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus, I don't think there's a club that's carrying more dead wood than Liverpool at the minute. Yeah. There are boys that just do not need to be there. And mm-hmm. why they are still there is beyond me. He's not getting a tune out of the boys that have been good performers for him this season as well. I think the, the most obvious one to talk about is Trent Alexander-Arnold. Again, another another match where we've watched him get ripped apart. Yeah. His match rating was 3.3 on one football. Ripped apart. And look, I'm actually... This is going to be strange. And a lot of people are going to be like, well, really? But I'm going to jump in defence of Trent here for a second. When Liverpool were at their best, they had players that could come and sort of cover that, that area of the pitch. And it allowed Trent to play a lot higher. That's why he had such a great attacking output, because he didn't really have to play right back. He was like an auxiliary right back. Yeah. 
now that they don't have those legs in midfield, guys can't get over quick enough to cover for him. And that's why he's being exposed so much. It's not even that he's such a bad defender or whatever. He's just being put in more one-on-one defending situations where we know it's probably not the strongest point of his game. Um, So because he's not getting to do what he did at at Liverpool for for such a long time, they are suffering because of it. See that Fabinho? He's crap. Oh, he's finished. He is crap. He's finished. Absolutely crap, that boy. He came on the other night and shocking. I can't. I genuinely can't believe I looked at that by in any sort of positive light. He was he, good though. He was for years. Lad, he was good. Lad, he was very, very good. I think it's just his pace is just completely gone. Mm-hmm. And like even against Madrid, he was shocking. Oh my god! And he came on there against Palace and they got like one counter and he got booked. He fouled the boy mm-hmm. straight away because he has no pace. Yeah. He can't get back. And I never thought that this this phrase would leave my lips. They missed Darwin Nunes. Massively. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Darwin's Eva because Darwin has hit form. We were literally talking about it the way down the road. Not even the form, lad. It's the dynamic of the attack. Mm -hmm. They have nobody just being a fucking nuisance up front. energy up there. Salah's too predictable. Jota, look, I'm going to be honest, boys. I I never really rated Diogo Jota, to be honest. I, I... He's, I have to disagree. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was decent, class, to be fair. Like, he's only back from injury as well. He, I know, I know, time, but you know. I always just thought Wolves was his level, to be honest. Like, I didn't I didn't think he was good enough to play for Liverpool. I look, maybe that's contro- a controversial take. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, personally, I didn't think he was good enough. For an old crack of player, though. And Gakpo should have scored. First. Gakpo was in. He tried uh, to dig the keeper. And he, uh, well, that's another player. 3.5 has matched just They're fair. just a bad side at mm. the minute, to be honest. They are literally, the only shining light for them is Allison. Yeah. yeah. But see, uh, like Palace are so boring. Saying that, though, I think Allison has been awful this season. Uh, no. no. He, he has like five hours leading the goal. That's shocking. I that is so, so bad. But he's just went to have to go for so much volume. Oh, I don't care. I don't nah, care. He I lost like, in that Champions League game as well against Real Madrid. It was his fault, though. I know he's not got a great team in front of him, but look at the shite that's standing in front of him, lad. And I, I, like I'm not, I'm not disputing his goalkeeping ability. He's obviously one of the best goalkeepers in the world. But this season, he has been at fault for a lot of Liverpool's downfall. Uh, I think there's a lot more players you could look at. Like I'm not saying, lad. I'm not disagreeing with you in that sense. I'm just saying, Alisson, like, he hasn't had a good season. Arnold the other night as well, like the, like he basically tried to like I don't know what he was doing for one of them. Do you know your boy uh, the striker missed a sitter? Like he just oh, what was Arnold doing there? Mm. He's just I think he's just very lax at the Arnold just switches off. He just switches yeah. off. Switches but I agree, off, they're yeah. not getting that player over to help. And I have said it from the start, Mane is a big miss for them because they need the energy up top. Nunes was a big miss for them. Obviously, Mane obviously went in the summer, but Nunes is a miss for them because they haven't got that energy and a midfield that they're just. Honestly, the it's, it's the worst midfield I honestly think in the league. It's up there, like it is mm. shocking. It's just too like Harvey Elliott came on and all, like mm-hmm. he was in there and like he doesn't improve the team at all. Nah. Obviously, I've been saying that for a while, but he's been like he's not a midfielder though. The, the lads yeah. a winger, like but it's it, like asking yeah. a winger to play a midfield is always going to be tough. I agree with you, Connor. He hasn't been good yeah. enough this season, but I'm not going to be too harsh. No, on I know, I know, because, yeah. because it's not as natural. But he's never going to get on for Liverpool in the wing hmm. because they went and bought Diaz, they bought Gakpo, yeah. they bought Nunes. You know, if he was going to be a good winger, he would have been I playing there already. Been, so yeah. that, it was just because I've heard Liverpool fans for so long say, "Oh, it's Harvey Elliott's mm-hmm. class." And he went to Blackburn. Oh, he's class. He's class. I just don't see it. Uh, and obviously, he's in a bad position, bad momentum at the mm-hmm. minute. But still. Um, Liverpool are just they're as bad as Chelsea oh, they are they are as bad like Klopp is just I think you got to give him more time obviously mm-hmm. but it's not just going to take one or two signings in the summer as you said it's going to take four or five well said and their last two results sort of just papered over the yeah. cracks there yes, I, I thought know. I thought Liverpool had turned the corner a wee bit but this week just showed that they haven't simple as that like yeah. mm-hmm. definitely 
Definitely. Um, move on to predictions or move on to our picks of the week, Connor. Hundred percent, lad. Hundred percent. So Dorman, yeah. take us away. Um, the there, lad. I'm going to go Danny Ings this week. I think if it was just like in general, I'd probably go Castleborough for the final. But we'll talk about that in a different podcast. But I think Danny Ings, two goals, big game, relegation battle. I needed to win two goals. New signing, and he played well in general. And it was his first start. Mm-hmm. You know, Antonio got a goal too. But I think they're going to have to keep starting Danny Ings if they're going to stay up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, big time. Big time. I completely agree with Connor. Richie's pick? Richie's pick. I am going to go for. Hmm, I have two players on my mind, right? And I'm looking at the fixtures here just to double check um, because I want to see who's more likely to sort of get goals, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, for some reason, I think my first pick is actually not playing this weekend. Mm-hmm. Okay, boy, so my original pick was going to be Ollie Watkins, but. I don't Villa mustn't have a game next week. They're mm-hmm. they're not listed on the fixtures here, so they mustn't be playing um, at all next week. So mm-hmm. I'm just gonna go with my my backup option then. My backup option is Manor Solomon from Fulham. I think three and threes yeah. look very impressive. Really pulling Fulham out of, out of holes at the minute. They have a tough away game on Monday night. It's it's against um, Fulham. No Fulham and who? Or sorry, Fulham. <laughs> sorry, they have a tough away game against Brentford. Bit of, bit of a London derby, but I just feel the way he's been pulling um, Fulham out of games this week. He just He's almost a cert for a goal, has to be to honest. Start. Yeah. Have to start this week. Yeah. yeah so, if anything, he'll at least get you two points, because mm-hmm. I think he'll play at least 60 minutes. And I do think he has the qualities there to, to pull a goal or something out, out, of the, out of the bag or an assist. So yep. Absolutely. Um, Owen, the cream of the cream, boob of the week. For a pretty boring week in Premier League, there wasn't a lot of boobs about it. Um, not too many boobs, no. no. Not too many boobs. It's a shame, isn't it? Know, <laughs> disappointing. Um, I'm going to give him a boob to Jordan Henderson. You're giving your boob to them? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice. There you go, Jordan. Happy days. <laughs> um, no, look, the, the only bright spark Liverpool had in that game was the, the work, the good free kick for Alexander Arnold on the edge of the box. They put up all that was definitely going for the top corner, and Jordan Henderson goes, Nah, I ain't going to black this. And oh, that's right. Yeah. So Jordan Henderson for deciding to play centre back for Crystal Palace. You are the cream of the cream, booby of the week. Happy days, Jordan. Hope you're hope you're enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, hope you enjoy my boob too. Hope you enjoy your <laughs> boob. Uh, the tit of the week is Jordan Henderson. Um, okay, my opinion of the week um, is about Tottenham Hotspur, and it's that I think Spurs are going to get Champions League football. But I think that even if they do get Champions League football, Antonio Conte isn't there next season. <laughs> Yeah, look, it's tough because he hasn't committed his his, his um future to to Spurs um, and until he commits, I'd say there's a few players that are probably fifty fifty about being at Spurs yeah. too next season. But they definitely have the quality there to qualify for the Champions League, yeah, yeah. especially I with think the form. Will, yeah, it's like especially with the form that Newcastle have been in as of recent. Mm-hmm. Um, and Newcastle fans have really been annoying me recently. They're just, they're, you don't like the way they wave the flag at the end of them? No, they just, I feel like they are getting too big for their boots. Like, no, you're lean, okay? Just like, <laughs> sort of stay in your lean, all right? You've only, you've literally been good for six months. Chill, okay? There Chill. were flags of surrender, Norma. Yeah, there were. Hot trick and injury time, we waved our flags. <laughs> Newcastle win League Cup 3 2. <laughs> Like I think they just need to chill. I've, I keep seeing a load of them on TikTok and social media, and they're just really, really annoying me at the minute. To be honest, they keep chirping up and saying outlandish things like Joe Linton's a better Premier League midfielder than Martin Odegaard, and I'm like, oh, that's crazy. What? <laughs> I like Joe Linton, you boys know, but I wouldn't you go off. No, I wouldn't go off far, but so I wouldn't go off far. So I think with their form, they've definitely died off. I think they'll be maybe just targeting some sort of European spot this season. I don't think Champions League's where it's at. 
Spurs are definitely a stronger side. Um, and when you've got a player like Harry Kane, you would like to think you have that mm-hmm. extra little bit of quality to, to get over the line. But yeah, look, I think with, with the contest situation, we've said it for, for weeks now, he just either needs to commit or not. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's going to at this present moment in mm-hmm. time because he is obviously recovering from a surgery. And yeah. I'm sure he's maybe just sitting there weighing yeah. up his options as to what to do. But if I was a gambling man, somebody put a gun to my head, I, I don't think Conte's there next season, tell you the truth. No, no, no. I think he'll stay in Italy. Yeah. I'll go back to Italy. Yeah, he could, go back yeah. to, he could yeah. just yeah. retire, even if it's just this break from management. Maybe. Yeah. Just yeah. Just yeah. He might just, just say, know. you know what, I've, I've done what I want to do. Yeah. You never know. Or he, he could roll back the years and yeah. take a, a struggling Chelsea side to the Premier League. <laughs> the Premier you League. never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, one thing's for certain, he'll get more money at Chelsea than he will at, yeah, at well, Tottenham. That's true. You know? Okay, so... We'll move on to the guess the player section. Um, fans at home have been playing along and, and loving it. I've got a good few messages talking about it. Um, we're going to do this quite quickly because we'll have run over a wee bit uh, this week despite there not being as many games. Um, so we'll just crack on number one. The, the scores so far are Connor on... Eight. Eight. Dorman four. is on four and Owen is on... Eleven. One. <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry, number I was talking one. about three weeks ago. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> number one. I am a Premier League player. Number two. In my career, I have played for four clubs. However, I have only ever been sold once, and it was for £37 million. Number three. In my career, I have played alongside Serginio Dest, Cody Gakpo, Mike Maynan, and Tyrell Malassia. Number four. In my early career, I was released from my club by Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag. On the big. Out. And number five. <laughs> Despite being statistically considered one of the best in Europe in my position, I have never ever made a senior appearance for my country. Who am I? So it's between Dorman and Richie. Oh, I'm going to... Say them all very quickly. Yeah. Okay. I'm a current Premier League player. In my career, I've played for four clubs. However, I've only ever been sold once, and that was for £37 million. Mm. In my career, I've played alongside Serginio Dest, Cody Gakpo, Mike Maynon, and Tyra Malassia. In my early career, I was released from my club by current Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag. And despite being statistically considered one of the best Be- in Europe in my uh, position, Botman. Sven Botman. Yeah. Well done, Connor Dorman. So it's 8 5 1. Sven Botman. <laughs> Okay, number two. I am a retired footballer, but when playing, I play for nine clubs at senior level over a 22-year career. Number two. I have won 10 league titles and a Champions League in my career. Number three. I played for four clubs in my home country of France before being signed by George Haji to Galatasaray in 2005. Number four. I was named in the UEFA Team of the Year in both 2008 and 2013. You going in, Dorma? No. And the last clue, I finished my career in Serie A. Uh, Dorma? I'll just go Evra. No, not Patrice Evra. I'm going to read them all out very quickly again. I'm a retired footballer, but when playing, I played for nine clubs at senior level over a 22-year career. I've won 10 league titles and a Champions League in my career. I played for four clubs in my home country of France before being signed by George Halsey to Galatasaray in 2005. 
I was named in the UEFA Team of the Year in both 2008 and 2013. Oh. And I finished my career in Serie A. Is it Frank Ribery? Frank Ribery, well in, lad. Yeah. Everyone never played for Galatasaray, right? I don't know. No. Um, good shout. That's good good shout. So what's that now? Nine. Nine. Five. Five. One. Okay. And the last one. Number one. I am a Champions League winner. Number two, with my national team, I finished as a runner-up in the FIFA World Cup. Number three, in my career, I have played alongside Marcus Llorente, Adnan Yanezay, Diogo Dallo, Paul Pogba and Cristiano Ronaldo. Number four, I have only won one league title in my career. And number five, I am one of the best in my position in the world. Is this World Cup or just any World Cup? Any World Cup. Oh, any World Cup. Who am I? So I'm a Champions League winner with my national team. I finished as a runner-up in the FIFA World Cup. In my career, I've played alongside Marcus Llorente, Andan Yanezé, Diogo Dallo, Paul Pogba and Cristiano Ronaldo. I've only won one league title in my entire career. And at the present moment, I'm considered one of the best in the world in my position. The 15 second timer is starting now. Ten seconds before I ask for a guess. Well, this is riveting. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, and one. Owen. Why the fucking come to me first? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because if you get it right, it means you get a point. Mm. That's why I came to you first. Yeah. Played for Diego, with Diego Dallo and Ronaldo and Pogba. Yeah. And Marcus Llorente and Adnan Yanezay. Steph Cup. He's currently one of the best in this position in the world. Currently one of the currently. best. I'm trying, I, I was even, who was in the World Cup final this year? For Ar- Argentina. And no. Actually, I'll come to Richie because he's got the most points. I have a feeling that somebody French. I don't know, lad. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Dorman. It's going to be France, isn't it? Uh, oh, when he got away from Milan, I don't know. Hernandez. Yeah, Theo Hernandez, it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Theo Hernandez, yeah. Um, so we played with Diogo Dallo at AC Milan. Yeah. Um, when he was on loan, played with Cristiano Ronaldo and won the World Cup with him, or won the won the Champions League with him in 2017 at Real Madrid. Played with Adnan Yanezay at Real Sociedad on loan, and at Alaves on loan, he played with Marcos Llorente. That was a pure guess, like. Yeah. It was a good guess. Yeah. Um, so the the final scores after this week is Conor Richards is on. Nine points. We have Connor Dorman now on six, creeping up and slowly making his way into this race. Is is Owen? I am still on on his one, but keep an eye on Owen for the next few weeks. Big up, Sergio Ramos. <laughs> <laughs> Save me from being reeled out in the mud. <laughs> um, will we do predictions? I think we can maybe leave that for the, the Carabao yeah, Cup. Okay. Well, we've got a Carabao Cup uh, special. We've done our Carabao Cup preview, um, of course, before the matches were played. Um, check that out. Um, I, I, we gave some good analysis into both teams, even though we know the results. We gave some good analysis into both teams and where they might go for the rest of the season. So definitely give that a listen. 
Um, we hope you're enjoying the pod. And as always, you can check us and find us on the Parlay Sports app. That's P-R-L-Y Sports. We have some great content out over there. Um, me and Connor made a, a couple of videos um, regarding financial fair play and uh, Manchester United as well. Um, so definitely check them out. And um, We have some more content coming out for you as well. We have... Um, a new series starting with myself. Um, uh, Connor has his own series with his team talk going every Monday, or sorry, every other Monday. So definitely check out the latest episode of that with Ronan Davidson, a Liverpool fan. Uh, Connor got some some good answers out of him. Um, so look, as always, you got to keep it bottom bins because you know we're, we're going to keep providing some good content for you. We have over thirty episodes on all platforms available now. Um, so Connor, yeah, what what more to say other than. Keep a bottom bend. Keep a bottom bend. Keep a bottom bend. Keep a bottom bend. <laughs>